0: Mr. Bonobus Grayson, entitled, Quick Christian Discipline. Ready? Green light? Nope, not yet. On standby. There we go. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Everyone that's here. Christian discipline. You know, when you think about the word discipline, uh, we often evaluate it uh, or connect it to, equate it with punishment. You know, something like a a good old whipping. But uh, the discipline in this sermon is about uh, self-discipline. It's about refraining from things that are detrimental to our goal and our purpose for living. Church discipline... You know, in times past, uh, you know, I've heard uh, sermons uh, where the uh, minister would give a very fiery uh, type of sermon, a correction, in a way of verbal uh, discipline to the listeners, shouting and and hollering. So, uh, I don't think you want that. I wouldn't. But then, sometimes those things are called for. But don't worry, I'm not going to, you know, do that. It reminds me uh, of this little joke that I read here. Uh, After church services on a Sunday morning, this young boy suddenly announced to his mother, he said, Mom, I've decided to become a minister when I grow up. And uh, she said, well, that's okay with us, but uh, what made you decide that? And, well, said the little boy, I have to go to church on Sunday anyway, and I figure it will be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit and listen. <laughs> well, it's really not <laughs> all that fun to stand up and yell, and even in a calm way. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 24, uh, know you not that they which run in a race run all but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. You know, when everybody's in a race, you know, only one is going to win. Um, Maybe there's about four or five uh, in that particular heat, that particular race, but only one is going to get the first prize. But you run to obtain. You run uh, to try to get that uh, first place or maybe second place or finish in some qualifying position. So you... uh, run that you may obtain you've got to get into the race verse 25 and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things you know we know that too much sugar is bad too much salt is bad too much to drink is bad so there are a lot of things that are that are bad for you but you have to be temperate in all things and wise in how you treat your mind and your body but Every man that strives for the mastery, and that's what we're doing, we're striving for the mastery, we're striving for that first prize, or to finish first, and so they show moderation in all things, and they show restraint. Some things they don't want to have, because it'll uh, be detrimental to their purpose, but they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible I therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight I not as one that beats the air. So you must have a goal, you must know what your efforts are uh, going toward, your purpose that's ahead and not to some dead end. But I keep my but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway. So you know your body has dictates of its own, and sometimes those dictates go against everything that you want to do. Uh, and if you go against those things that you're fighting against, you're going to be a castaway. You're going to sink. You're going to be stranded. So in regard to the, those things, the Apostle Paul alludes, you know, to athletes like a runner or a boxer as an example of staying fit and keeping an eye on the reason for doing so. And everyone who wants to be good at something is temperate in all things. So you have a trainer, you have a coach, a man in the corner to help you along. And, you know, there's a program on on television where that's called uh, The Biggest Loser. They have a goal of losing so many pounds and they have a, a coach that will push them, that will prod them so that they can accomplish their goals, so they are in a race against themselves. And they have to exercise a lot of self-discipline, especially when they might want to quit or give up. And so, we're told that we should run in order to obtain. You've you've got to enter that race, so to speak. So, it's to not obtain, you know, like a ribbon or a trophy or something of that sort or, or wealth or treasures where, you know, moth and rust, death corrupt, but an incorruptible crown is what we're striving for. Even in our jobs and our responsibilities in life, it takes focus and it takes responsibility. And scripture says, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with your might. Give it all you can. But in looking at this, who do we compete against? What is our competition like? And we may see even that uh, in any competition, say like at the beginning of the year. It's always interesting to me in some ways to look at a football schedule to see who the opponents are that's coming up, who there is to play. And so on the schedule you see Strong opponents, we see weak opponents, and unknowns. So we have a schedule. There are things uh, that well, we don't always know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, or next month, or next year. But there is uh, schedule events that happen to us as, as days progress. And so the coach is going to prepare his team accordingly. He's going to get them in shape. He's going to condition them. No dissipation. No staying out late. No doing those things that are going to interfere with accomplishing that goal. So you eat a balanced diet and so on. And so knowing the reason that they are practicing for is to win, and that keeps them focused. Back in junior high when I was out with the little football team, our coach used to uh, tell us before the game that uh, I want you to go home and I want you to... uh, get you some raw meat and eat it, get you a can of lye and drink it so that, you know, you can be mean when you start to play that game. And, you know, being a little bit young, I thought, hmm, I wonder about that. But, you know, disclaimer, don't ever do that. But he was getting across the message that you really have to put into yourself that uh, motivating factor, that self-discipline, that 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 is going to help you to accomplish the goal. So, in order to obtain any kind of win, we must compete. And the two opponents we have on our schedule is against the wiles of Satan, the devil, and our own human nature. In addition to other adversities like sickness and, and disease and family problems and job loss and so on. All those things we must overcome. And we may not want to, you know, be in that race, but sometimes we find ourselves in that competition. And so we have to obtain, we have to strive uh, for, uh, to win. So being a Christian requires self-discipline. And that to have that self-discipline, we have to have self-awareness of who or what we are as Christians. In Acts 11.27, it's not... Uh, one of the that I gave to uh, Brian. But Christ's disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so they were disciples. They were learners. They were students. And they were learning uh, things from, from Christ. So as I go along and telling you about you know, what a Christian is. You can participate in this. A Christian is one who believes in and follows the teachings of. You fill in the blank for me. Jesus Christ, here you go. They are those who walk in faith, righteousness, light, good, and in the hope of everlasting life. Christians are also called saints. They're also called God's elect, called to be servants of righteousness. A Christian is also a new creature in Christ. And having the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands also makes a Christian a child of God. And heirs to an inheritance that neither eye nor ear has uh, really understood the things that Christ has prepared for them that love God. So it's an incorruptible crown that we are in this race for. You've got to strive to obtain it. Romans 8, chapter, 8th chapter, uh, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now we know that the causes of wars and human sufferings and misery are due to unrighteousness, drunkenness, inordinate pursuits, greed, and, and so on. And that not only affects the doers of those things, but also others that are around them. It affects mentally, it affects physically, and it affects spiritually. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, in this day and age, you know, you think, well, uh, where's the, where's life and where's, where's the peace? Sometimes it, what others do... And our society around us has an effect on how we feel spiritually. But we are on this track, we're on this road, this race to obtain that life and peace. It may not be perfect every day, but we know that in the long run at the finish line there is life and peace. If we are not carnally minded. You know, our flesh, of course, needs uh, vital things. It needs food. It needs water. It needs air to breathe. It needs clothing. It needs shelter. It needs a job and so on. It needs a doctor uh, because we're, we're flesh. But it says, because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. How true that is. Because when you try to maybe perhaps... Preach the word of God or tell somebody about the word of God. They, you, can, you can sense in them that they don't want to hear anymore. They don't want to listen. They are fleshly. Their mind is on the fleshly or the, uh, or the world. They don't want to hear or su- subject, subject themselves to righteousness. And so they separate uh, from his will. They separate themselves from his will. And, and their minds just, just shut out. That's because they're carnally minded. They don't see the spiritual side. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, and that's speaking to Christians, that's speaking to you and me, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Not that we are, you know, uh, having things that we need to provide for our flesh, but we are in the spirit. We uh, come to learn things from uh, the Bible and from being with one another. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So we're not perfect people, but through the Holy Spirit Christ is our righteousness. And that means life. Even though this physical body of ours wears out and goes away of all men, returns into the dust because that's what we're made from. But we understand as well that the Holy Spirit can be quenched. It can be put out and lost if we allow the ways of the world, evil temptations and sin to take over our lives. You can get caught up in the... uh, shenanigans, and rhetoric of society, of philosophy, of of politics, by allowing worldly viewpoints to deceive and mislead into a competitive way, a competitive spirit, things that deride, things that divide, things that destroy a people. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, this know also that in the last days, Perilous or dangerous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. That means they're, you know, selfish. They're going to be covetous and boasters. They're going to be proud. And there's going to be blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. And, you know, these words can also describe our former ways. And maybe some of these things we haven't really uh, subdued yet, or put them un- into subjection, uh, or perhaps we know some, you know, some people that may be like that. Verse three: without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. You know, they're lacking self-restraint. Fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So they love their fleshly, carnal pursuits more than seeking, first, the kingdom of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Because you turn away from those things, if you, if you get involved in those things, and you don't turn away from it, these things can rub off. First Corinthians uh, 13, or 3.16 Uh, I'm just referencing here. It says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You're the temple of God. The Spirit dwells in you. And that statement itself should bring an awesome awareness that Christians should always take with them in whatever they do. Because there are many temptations, there are many adversities in this world that is to be overcome, and not let it overcome us. And so, those troubles, however, and those trials we may have is really not any different from what the rest of the world suffers and endures. In fact, we're told, you know, not to think it strange. Nevertheless, you know, any trial can be a difficult encounter. But we know that only through prayer and God's helping hand we can overcome. He knows our needs. He's our coach. He's our conditioner. He's the one who sits in the corner. And he will provide in due time. But it does take patience. It does take self-discipline. And so we read where high-mindedness and pride have a hand in the dangers facing this world today as it has faced Every age of man, we need to be aware that there is, we've always heard this, that there is a cause for every effect. There is a reason for the evils in this world. Through it all, though, as I said, we have to have patience and not uh, get caught up, and we do that by staying close to God. Let's turn over to First Peter, or you can look at the wall, First Peter five. It says in verse six. To humble yourselves. Therefore under the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. Some of you guys have a very powerful handshake. That's a mighty hand to me. And uh, you just hope they let go and not be overjoyed to see you. But you know what a mighty hand portrays? It's strength. It's power. It's direction. All of those things. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Because he has that power. That he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. So what are your concerns? Just call upon God. Be humble. Don't be proud. And you know. Though an answer may not come right away. It will in due time. If you have had answers to your prayer. It was due time for that uh, answer to come. He's faithful. But one of the things we compete against is doubt. That seeks to block our faith. Verse 8. So be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. So if he finds us in a weakened state, out of condition, out of shape not on the right path, he, he'll he pounce on us. And, you know, like in the uh, message earlier, we can't save anyone but ourself. And so we have to exercise discipline, self-discipline. One of the things that I like about visiting the zoo, and, you know, is you can hear the roar of the lion way off. Because, and then when you go to... Uh, rush over there to see the lion. He's not there, but he's roaring from his cave. But that that's a very powerful voice And the comparison to this creature that is stalking us. Shouldn't make us uh, have respect because the deceiver in this world walks about as a roaring lion. So these scriptures are here for us to take as important. Verse 9... Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that these same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. That is, they are undergoing the same exercise of faith in their afflictions. Revelation 12, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knows that he has but a short time. So we're to rejoice knowing that Christ has overcome the devil. And if we are on the Lord's side, we too shall gain the victory. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted The woman, which brought forth the man-child, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished four times and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. So we see in that wrath that there is this this uh, pursuit of the church. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So, you know, in times past, there was that thing happening, and in a time that is future, this will happen again. But the dragon was wroth with the woman, and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So future saints, those in the body of Christ are going to face another time of trouble and they must be prepared with the Word of God and living in it, practicing it. But you know, you read about uh, the devil, about Satan, you know he let pride and he let greed lead him to his downfall and he led one-third of the angels against the eternal almighty God and today he deceives mankind in various ways to get them to rebel against God. He deceives the whole world through its religions, its politics, its philosophy, its societal things. And he, wants to dethrone, he wanted to dethrone God. And he wants to dethrone you. But he knows he can't win against God. And so he stalks human beings. But at one time, the devil was once known as Lucifer or Bringer. Isaiah chapter 14, your pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of your vials, the worm is spread under you, and the worms cover you. This is a description of of this king, but it changes down verse 12 to describe Satan. How are you fallen from from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So this was, all all this was in his heart, Satan's heart, his mind. Which led him to rebel and to lead a third of the angels uh, by his deception. And, you know, as Paul says, we're going to judge angels someday. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So we see the scripture, you know, going back to the, to the human king that it was being described. They, they that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that open not the house of the prisoners. So that same evil that began with Satan was found in this king who brought perils and dangers to his time. Satan, we know, is a creed being, an angel who came to think more highly of himself than he ought. In Ezekiel chapter 28, the king of Tyre is compared to Satan's downfall. Ezekiel wrote, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, Say unto the Prince of Tyrus, thus saith the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up, and you have said, I am God. I sit uh, let's see, I am a God, I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not God, though you set your heart as a heart of God. Behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they uh, they can hide from you. With your wisdom and with your understanding you have gotten yourself riches and have gotten gold and silver into your treasures. By your great wisdom and by your traffic have you increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of, rich, uh, of riches, of your riches. So you see that the deceitfulness of, you know, riches, of having really a, more than you could uh, really need. Lifted Satan up, lifted looser up so that he uh, rebelled. You know, in these scriptures, some see how that this was the way the world was before Adam had carried on in activities, you know, the, these angels that uh, were uh, pre-Adamic, developing things on the planet before the rebellion. But, you know, this is, you know, even though it's in the Bible, is there a need to know? You know, it's uh, not that important except for the fact that we see how sin entered into Satan. And and deceives the whole world into it. Verse 6, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Because ye have set your heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring bring strangers upon you, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom, and they shall defy your brightness. They shall bring you down to the pit, and ye shall die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Will ye yet say before him that slays you, I am God, but you shall be a man and no God in the hand of him that slays you. You shall die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. So moreover, the word eternal of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God. You seal up the sum full of wisdom and uh, perfect in beauty. So we see that it, the scripture goes back to referencing this king, this human being. But the next verse, verse 13, tells us whom it is referring to. You've been in the in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of your tabrets and of your Pipes were prepared in you in the day that you were created. You're the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. In verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. So there are things that can make a person who is unrestrained, undisciplined, fall prey to their own riches, to their own vanities, that will cause a downfall. So we know that evil continues to influence our world today. You look at the news today, and, and you see and hear of terrible things that are happening. But we know that we not let it uh, win us over, or overcome us, because we've been given a way to escape these things, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after the, uh, those that were hearing the disciples speak, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we see that we have a calling to this repentance, to this baptism and to this way of life and to this race. To this uh, overcoming some of the rocky paths that, that we travel on so with in verse 40 and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation and you know it's it's an individual thing we have to you know work out our salvation but that's the essence of the good news of Christ but you know that's not all because We must be sure to discipline ourselves by doing each and every day those things that protect us from bad spiritual influences. We have to rely on the Spirit of God in us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. Not in yourself but in the Lord and in the power of his might. And verse 11 through 13 and 15, you know, we see the armor of God. That you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. See, those things are important. Because if you don't put all that armor, some of these influences are going to, are going to get through. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, of this age. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Not just the part. And sometimes when we find ourselves in a situation. Where it looks like we might be lagging behind. Losing the race. Failing to see uh, the finish line. It's because we don't have the whole armor of God on. Take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all. To stand, so stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth. You know that's God's word, having on the breastplate of righteousness, walking in uh, those commandments. That's the way to overcome evil with good. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, in any endeavor like a race, you have to have on uh, the right kind of shoes. You know, uh, tracksters have on those spiky uh, uh, cleats there at the uh, front of their foot because they're always you know they're running on their uh, forward part of their foot football you know their cleats are all over the place underneath their shoes so you have to have the right kind of, uh, of shoe and the right kind of shoe that we have is the gospel of peace a Christian shoes are for the purpose of obtaining the kingdom of God and above all Taking the shield of faith. So above all these things there's faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So as Christians we face ungodliness on many fronts. But we struggle mostly against our own human nature in various ways sometimes. Doing things or not doing things that profit nothing. Titus 2, we are encouraged to live in a right way, showing yourself a pattern of good works in doctrine, uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, but uh, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say to you. And in verse 13, skip down to verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That incorruptible crown of life that we are seeking to obtain. Who gave himself for us in verse 14 that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Romans 8. Therefore, brethren, we, as Christians, are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's going down to uh, Hebrews 12. chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Maybe it's some habit that is sinful or something in our nature that we just can't seem to shake, but we're to lay aside every weight that slows us down in this race. Cast it off. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our uh, faith. So without Christ, we just beat the air. We race in uncertainty and our eyes go off of the prize. Human nature is, you know, it's what it is. It's basically selfish and foolish and lustful. Uh, We don't want to be that way. But that's the way it is. It happens that way sometimes. And so we see that in order to overcome those things. We have to know what they are. And act in the opposite direction. Using righteousness to overcome evil with good. Let's drop on down to 1 Timothy chapter 6. The good fight of faith takes self-discipline in many areas. And we have to examine our own selves. Kind of look at our own schedule to see uh, some of the things. You know, we can look at our own uh, particular uh, nature in us and say, you know, maybe I should not do this. Maybe I shouldn't um, put a lot of salt on my food and stuff like that. Some of those areas, we, we got to take a look at ourselves. We have to ex- exercise self discipline. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. Let's, let me go ahead and uh, drop on down to verse uh, 4. That there are some who, you know, teach otherwise not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. And it describes that person as being proud, knowing uh Nothing but doting about with questions and strife of words. Whereof comes envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. All of those things leading to these things that can weigh a person down. As they pursue the goal of winning the race. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, certain we can carry nothing out. So having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And it talks about the love of money, it being the root or a root of all evil, which while some coveted, they have erred from the faith. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So this message about self-restraint, about self-discipline is a message that... Is to all of us that we are to consider. We're shown the way and the reason why we are called Christians. A Light is, you know, on the path ahead of us. But self-discipline is a choice. We're to show restraint in certain areas. And, you know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And the right way is to fight the good fight of faith to obtain that crown of life. And we need to pray for one another. That they may overcome the world through Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 4. When the apostle Paul came to the end of his ministry. In the gospel of Christ he said. Verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. First uh, Corinthians 9, again. All of this preaching, all of the things that the Apostle Paul went through. Was to keep us on course. So that we would compete in order to obtain the incorruptible crown. And he fought the good fight of faith. And in verse 23, And he said, And this I do for the gospel's sake, for the good news, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receive the prize, so run that you may obtain.